Welcome to Healthy Habits Happy Moms Radio, where we are all about helping you find balance in food, fitness, and family 365 days a year with your hosts, Jennifer Campbell, Lauren Kosky, and Annie Breeze. Welcome back to another episode of Healthy Habits Happy Moms Radio. Lauren and Jen, how are you? Good. I'm good. How are you, Annie? Awesome. I can't complain. I'm here childless talking to you two. So it's always a good time. It's also hard. (laughs) Yeah, we've got, we've got, we've got three time zones and uh, seven, almost eight kids. It's can be a challenge. And we start early, like we start, well, we start early for me. So it's always like morning for me, afternoon for you guys. So I'm always running around my house, like we're starting recording at nine. And like the babysitter's arriving at nine. And I'm, whenever I, arrive at our podcast to start recording while it's stressed right out and let's yeah. let's clarify that Jen means early she means 9 a.m yeah I mean <laughs> we <laughs> which is practically lunchtime for me <laughs> we I mean we sleep late in my family like my my youngest got up at 8 30 today that's yeah. nice my youngest was up at like 5 30 so yeah no <laughs> We're early, we're early risers. Okay. So, um, Lauren and Jen came to me with this topic today. Um, the topic is the Minnesota starvation experiment, which just really briefly was a study done almost 70 years ago, like 1944. It was a year long study done on men in a semi starvation mode. And they wanted to discuss the physical and the psychological effects of dieting. And I'm like, but why does this study 70 years old done on men. Why does it matter? Why should women care? Well, I think we, what we've seen is that, um, the results of this study we are continuing to see today and that, um, the three of us see in balance in the women of balance 365, we see them coming into balance 365 and the results of years, sometimes decades of dieting are, um, prevalent. And so going through this study has helped me understand my own behavior when I quit dieting. And I think will help a lot of women understand um, what's going on with them and taking away the shame of the thoughts and the behaviors that they're having when they quit dieting. Yeah, it was a major aha moment for me. And if you've ever dieted, I think learning about this study is a must. Right. And they don't, they aren't able to, um, ethically replicate studies of this nature anymore. So it's really, we aren't going to see anything like this come out today. Um, because we're just not, we can't starve people like we could 70 years ago, which is a good thing. A good thing. Um, so, uh, can one of you just give us some background on how they perform the study? So the purpose of the study was to, which you mentioned, Annie, was to investigate the physiological and psychological effects of severe and prolonged dietary restriction um, and the effect, effectiveness of, of um, refeeding or rehabilitation strategies after a diet is over. So in, in layman's terms, they put these men on a diet, a caloric diet, a deficit, and then they gave them the calories back. They did. did like a refit. And it, and it wasn't, it's not like everyone back then, like today was going around, um, fad diets, but it was in world war two and there were millions of people around the world starving and they were trying to figure out, um, the effects of that and then how to rehabilitate them afterwards. And the study was a year long. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a short study. Um, there's lots of short studies done today, but it was a full it was a full 12 months. Um, the, the lead on the study was Ansel Keys, and they published their results um, in 1950. It's a 1,385-page text called The Biology of Human Starvation, and anyone can read it. And Lauren, do you want to cover kind of, you know, who was in the study? and? Sure. Um, yeah, it was 36... Um, men, they were, uh, volunteers and what they did was they, um, they were in Minnesota, hence the name, and they took them through, um, 
four different phases. So the first 12 weeks, there was a control period. Um, the second 24 weeks was a semi-starvation period. And then they did a restriction rehabilitation and then an unrestricted. Do you want me to go through what the calories well, were? Well, why don't we first, I just want to also mention about these men is that um, they had over 400 men apply for the study and they came and they ended up interviewing 100 and they chose 36 and their criteria was that these men were all physically and psychologically very healthy, healthy yeah, coming yeah. into the experiment so um and the other thing i wanted to mention um, was they were all between the ages of 22 and 33 the goal of the study was that they would produce roughly a 25 percent weight loss and mm. that was during the during the semi-starvation period of the study and that was, for that to work out, it needed to happen at about two and a half pounds per week for each man, mm -hmm. um, which is about 1.1 kilograms per week is what was going on in the study. Yeah, so the control period, they ate 3,200 calories a day um, to maintain their weight. And then they basically cut that in half for six months. Um, and they ate about 1,500 calories per day. And then after that, they went through um, like a restricted rehabilitation where they um, they adjusted their calories upwards, but it was still controlled. And then they went to an unrestricted for eight weeks where they could eat. Um, it was monitored, but there was no limit on how much they could eat. Right. So that and was the basic timeline. And during the year, the men also... Um they had um, energy output requirements. So it's not that they, you know, were just on bed rest, you know, with these calories. They also had to, um, well, they were allowed to leave. So they slept in dorms, but they were allowed to leave. And, um, you know, I read one man talked about, you know, having to go out for, he went out for dinner with his girlfriend of the time. And, you know, and so she's going to eat and he has to bring his meal with him. Um, so they were allowed to leave. And, um, but they were required to do um, just like base, basic daily work assignments. Some did housekeeping tasks. Others were doing administrative work around the lab. Um, some attended uh, university classes um, at the university they were at. And they were required to walk 22 miles per week, which is 36 kilometers for all the um, Canadians listening, <laughs> which is about you know, five kilometers a day. So not, not a huge distance actually, but so in addition to cutting their calories in half, they were also expending calories. Um, and aside from the mealtimes, there was no restrictions placed on their social lives and they all kept diaries throughout the whole process, which brought a lot of interesting situations to light when the study was over. Yeah. And they were fed, um, twice a day, morning and lunch. Essentially, what these men did was they watched them eat a set amount of calories, they reduced the calories in half, then they gave them back a little bit of the calories, and then they just said, eat what you'd like. Those were the kind of the phases of the Those diet. Those are the and four it, phases. Yeah. And, they, and, and they watched what happened with their weight, with their psychological um, health, with their physical health. Um, they kept the diaries, as you noted. Um and the findings were just really interesting. But the parallels, are, I can already see some parallels. Um, you know, that doesn't sound too far-fetched from what many women do Yeah, today. like mo a modern-day dieter right. is, you know, a lot of women still think 1,200 calories a day is what they have to diet on, which is, you know, very low-calorie diet. The other thing to note with these men is that the diet that they were given was a typical... European um, famine diet, I guess. So there was, it was low in fat and low in protein. So it was very, it was, you know, potatoes, um, macaroni, different root vegetables. Um, sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And yeah, we see, you know, you can already start seeing that this is going to be interesting for right. our population. Well, yeah. It, it is because, you, like, as I noted at the beginning, you hear a study done 70 years, almost 70 years ago or 75 years ago done on men, uh, 
what is that going to tell, how is that going to change how I act today? But as you both noted, this has really been a really aha moment reading through this study. Um, so yeah, yeah so let's go through. It's so, it's so relevant. It is. Yeah, and, so, and so it is to talk about how they set up the study um, of cutting their calories in half and then requiring exercise. What does that sound Sounds like? Sounds like a diet. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like what a lot of women do. Right. Okay, so what happened? They cut their calories in half, they gave them some back. Yeah, so through the control period, right, so Lauren mentioned 3,200 calories per day, so they're all at an energy balance. And, you know, that was, you know, adjusted slightly for each man's individual, Mm -hmm. you know, metabolic rate, weight. Um, And so they um, they were all maintaining their weight for 12 weeks going in to the um, deficit and they all reported feeling um, healthy and well-fed, lots of energy, all of them, you know, taking advantage of the activities that were being offered. So just normal, feeling very normal. Good. Sounds good. Off to a good start. Yes. And then, (laughs) yeah, great. First of all, then we went into the semi-starvation period and that was a six-month long period eating twice a day and they tracked um, during those six months they tracked the physiological changes which are you know to be expected so um, I'll just go through um, some of my notes here they had um, obviously they had a loss of muscle and body fat so I guess what a lot of people don't realize when they go on these deficits is that you know, they go into these extreme caloric deficits is that our body doesn't just burn fat when we're in a deficit. It also burns muscle. So you're also losing muscle when you're losing weight. Um, Their heart rates all slowed down dramatically from 55 beats per minute to 35. Their body temperature reduced, but this was, you know, all their, their basal metabolic rate was slowing down um, because their body was trying to conserve energy. So, um, their blood volume dropped 10%, their hearts shrank in size, they developed edema, so um, ankles and knees and faces were all swelling. Um, they developed a rough, coarse appearance as a result of the hardening of their hair follicles. Um, they all would report dizziness, muscle soreness, reduced coordination, ringing in their ears, um, This was odd, but a whitening of their eyeballs, but that was the blood vessels in their eyes starting to shrink. And their bowel movements <laughs> went down to once per week. <gasps> I know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. So basically, you know, Lauren says this all the time. She said, our bodies have systems in place to make sure we don't starve. So physically, everything just kind of starts slowing, restricting, um, you know, you, your energy is reduced as your body tries to conserve as much as it can to stay alive. And so um, even more interesting to us, um, you know, I think the physical side effects of semi-starvation are almost expected. But the psychological effects um, were really interesting to us. And I think will... Um, People will recognize this. So um, the men during this semi-starvation stage, they became um, very preoccupied with thoughts of food. Uh, They reported dreaming and fantasizing about it, um, reading about it, reading cookbooks, talking about it. They were savoring their meals. Um, Some men uh, were mixing their food with water to make a soup so it could feel like it was more than it was. Um, Others were licking their plates clean. Um, They were, between meals, they were obsessively consuming chewing gum and black coffee, like calorie-free stuff. Um, And then there was like total emotional distress. So irritability, hysteria, insecurity, anxiety, depression, Um, the participants reported feeling that their diet was impairing their concentration, their comprehension, their judgment. They became, um, obsessed with like cooking, like they studied cookbooks and some of them bought, even though they couldn't eat food, they purchased or stole food. Um, one guy started, um, stealing cups from coffee shops and then 
again just like the chewing gum and the water and yeah actually one man had to be excused from the study um and he was he started dreaming about cannibalism and um and then he started cheating so he he would go out in the world and he was like buying like you know sundays milkshakes um, and when um, the lead invest- the lead researcher sort of um, kind of confronted him about the cheating, um, he had like immense shame and broke down in tears. Yeah. So they had to excuse him from the study and they had to check him into a psychiatric ward immediately. But within a few days um, of eating at normal levels again, um, all of that subsided. Interesting. Yeah. So it just shows like this... Being in this semi, and that guy actually, the one that started dreaming about cannibalism, he was excused really early on, within a few weeks of the study. So, um, it's interesting that they they followed each man individually. So they know that the response to this dieting was very individual, where some could sustain it, some couldn't. I think they ended up excusing three people in total out of the thirty six because of cheating, mm. um, and yeah, and then the other thirty three were able to complete. Um, but obvious with, you know, with very severe physical and psychological damage. Yeah. So do we want to talk about the rehabilitation period? Yeah, that is interesting. Why don't you talk about the controlled? So they had the controlled rehabilitation, which was yeah 12 weeks. Uh, yes, I believe it was 12 weeks. And so they they gave them more food, but it was controlled. And so a lot of the men still complained that, they weren't getting enough food. They didn't feel like they were getting more food. Well, one of them, I'll just note, um, they broke the men up into four groups for the controlled phase. And each of those four groups were given a different caloric intake where... And I think first... different macros too. Yeah. And because they're also looking at if vitamins and minerals. So if, if even if they were giving lower calories, would vitamins and minerals make a difference? And the... so. You know, they were eating, what, 15, 1,600 calories a day when they were in semi-starvation mode. And in the refeed group, the various caloric intakes, the first, the lowest one was 2,000 calories a day. So only 400 more calories than they had been eating. And so physical recovery started um, progressing in this phase. But it said that um, the mental state seemed to decline further. They kept um, up with licking plates with the irritability, the mood swings. Um, One guy chopped his fingers off and said that he wasn't sure with an axe and he wasn't sure if he did it on purpose or if it was an accident. Um, But then it says three months later, the subject's moods and social behavior started to regulate. Um, And then after the 12 weeks, they went through eight weeks of monitored eating but their calories were totally um, unrestricted and what happened then was even though they were um, it was recommended to them not to overeat they a lot of them ended up doing severe binge eating one had to get his stomach pumped um, and that lasted for months and months and it wasn't that they were just binging you know, for the fun of it, they were reporting that they were still hungry, even though they had surpassed their, you know, energy balance for the day, they, they still felt hunger. And I know I read that Ansel reported later on that, um, it was, they seem, the men seem to need at least 4,000 calories a day to recover from this semi-starvation period. And he also said that the vitamins and minerals um, that they were feeding the men to help them recover quicker did not seem to help unless if there was still an absence of food. So they need the food. Um, And yeah, there was just some, um, there was a really interesting story I read. One of the men, um, he was eating up to 11,000 calories a day and he still felt hungry. Yeah, um, I read that it was written that um, the longest lingering effect was the inability to distinguish between the constant gnawing of hunger and normal appetite. Yeah, and we've seen that in, I mean, hunger, 
The subject of hunger comes up in Balance 365 quite a bit. So inside Balance 365, one of the habits we work on with women is getting them back in tune with their hunger cues. And a normal person that has a normal relationship with food will eat when they're hungry. But after, again, years or decades of dieting, people's hunger cues can be really messed up. Well, and we can fear getting hungry. Right, totally. Okay, so what else happened after anything else happened worth noting after they went through unrestricted calories that last that last phase? They did interview some of the men like decades later and some said that they struggled with this for years and years and years after the study. Yeah, one man um, in the follow-up. I think they were all they were able to follow up with I can't remember what year it was. Sorry, I think that the, most of them were around in their 80s when yeah. they followed up with them. And, and one man said he lived with the fear for years that food was going to be taken away from him. Yeah, that's pretty profound that these men went through this year-long study and decades later they're still seeing... Yeah, well, and like my dad always actually says like he he has six, I think five or six, six brothers and sisters and they were poor growing up and there was never enough food for everybody. So you had to be at the table at a certain time and you had to like gobble up and fight for the food. And he still to this day will not leave food on his plate because of the way he grew up. Right. So that's, um, you know, when you learn scarcity around food, it's a very real fear because again back to Lauren saying our body has systems in place that help us to not starve I mean food the pursuit of food the pursuit of energy is a is a primal need that we have and whether we're whether it's taken away from us or whether we try take it away from ourselves um, the effects are the same so we we can see that the men yes they they may be recovered a bit quicker physically, but psychologically, it can take years to recover from dieting. And we see that in women all the time. And what I guess what I hope this study opens up their eyes to is, first of all, how damaging dieting is and why we may not want to pass this behavior onto our children, but also that their behavior is normal when they stop dieting. We have a lot of women who start Balance 365 who put on weight initially. And I think the difference between the women who do put on weight and the women who don't um, is that the women who sign up to work with us who have already done a lot of um, work on diet deprogramming, um, they've kind of gone through that phase already. But I, th- and, but I think it's almost universal that when you quit dieting, you will put on some weight. And my own personal story was that... Um, when I quit dieting, um, just drew a line in the sand and said, I am done with this. I put on weight steadily for about four months and I was eating everything, all the foods that I had been fantasizing about having for, for the last decade, um, the foods that preoccupied my thoughts, I went hard on all those foods. Um, and then I would say around the four month mark, my, I started leveling out. I started realizing, um, those foods weren't going anywhere. I could have ice cream for breakfast if I wanted. Um, and that's also when my weight stopped climbing and just stabilized. And then it took around, and then after that, as I started pursuing, um, just healthy, balanced habits and a positive mindset around food. Um, I started losing weight, and about, and then it took I think around nine months um, before I felt like, you know, you know, it was kind of nine months of of a healthy weight loss. I would say till I eventually um, was fitting into smaller clothes and. And, you know, but I mean, that whole process, those nine months, it's funny how effortless it feels once you get through the diet deprogramming phase, once you get through the obsessions and once you work through that, how effortless it can feel. Yeah. We talk a lot about like, uh, it feels like a pendulum and you pull that, you pull that ball back when you're restricting really, really far one direction. And then you stop dieting, you stop restricting, you let it go. It just is bound to swing 
in the in the direct opposite direction. And we find that it if you let it settle, it'll settle somewhere in the middle, which is a more sustainable, moderate approach to eating. Yeah. And I guess like weight gain scares so many people. And in that way, um, in our diet deprogramming phase, which is like chapter one of Balance 365, um, that's why we address fat phobia. So for my own self, I had to go, why does putting on weight scare me so much? Why, why am I um, doing these things to myself, going through hell in my own brain and even what I'm putting my physical body through to keep from putting on any weight? Like, that's crazy. And it's because I had this, this, I had, I was very fat phobic. I had this huge, I had all these ideas about what being fat would mean. And um, finally, one day I was like, being fat and happy is a far better alternative for me than being thin and miserable and depressed and, you know, feeling almost suicidal at times because I thought I was so worthless. Um, and so I guess when women tell me that they're putting on weight and they have fear around it, I guess what I would like them to know is it it is part of the process. If you don't want to live as a restrictive eater anymore, you have to embrace it as part of the process. One of the reasons I really wanted to record this podcast is because I think every woman, every woman and man really should should know about this study because when I was going through it, I didn't know what was happening to me. I dieted really hard for like four years. I got to a certain point where I just couldn't keep it up anymore and I was binging like crazy at gaining on a lot of weight and I didn't understand what was happening. Like, why am I doing this? Why can I not restrict my calories anymore? I actually went to a therapist because I thought I had binge eating disorder because I was trying to figure out what was going on with me. <laughs> That's what I thought I had it too. And turns I was out, like... turns out I didn't. And that is what happens when you starve yourself. And absolutely knowing about this study then probably would have changed a lot for me. And so I think it's really important to understand that this is, that's normal. That happens to everyone when they restrict their calories for long enough. Yeah, it's a, it's a normal and expected response to deprivation and restriction, whether that's months, weeks, years, 21 days. As the second you are thinking about cutting out food groups, restricting, your body already starts sending signals that, it doesn't want that to happen. It's the so. it's the pink polar bear effect, right? I tell you not to think of a pink polar bear and what you do you can't stop thinking. What do you it? think of? It's the <laughs> pink polar bear. So, okay, I think what what I think is really really valuable for our listeners though is uh, Jen, you came up with a list of modern day dieters and some of the behaviors that we see frequently and are in our group and we see just in society um, from people that are dieting. And um, I'm looking at this list and I'm seeing a lot of things that I feel like are really socially acceptable. And like, it's just, it's kind of what we expect from someone on a diet. So Jen, can you just go over that list real quick? Sure. So obsessing about food, experiencing low energy, lack of motivation, irritability, depression, Avoiding social situations where food may be served or even just having a lot of anxiety around social situations or constantly thinking about, you know, maybe packing your own food or whatever. Like, how am I going to avoid food? Because they know they lose control. Um, always trying to figure out ways to maximize the amount of food one can eat while minimizing the calories in their meals. On that note, I used to eat so many vegetables um, when I was a dieter that I would be sick. If anyone out there did Weight Watchers, um, vegetables were zero points. So you would, I would stuff myself um, with vegetables. I used to, um, on road trips, I would take like bags of baby carrots and I would eat them my whole road trip to keep myself from eating, you know, anything else that were at any gas stations or whatever. And I, by the time I would get to my destination, my stomach, I would almost be keeled over with my stomach was just so sore. Not necessarily that, I mean, I was probably stuffed too, but also that, um, I guess what people don't understand is that nutrition is all about balance. And of course you can get too little 
of fruits and vegetables and too little fiber, but you can also get too much that causes, you know, digestive issues. Yeah. I used to skip social events all the time when I was, when I was dieting. That was one of the things I would get anxiety and I would just not go. So next point I said um, is uh, we see uh, women um, obsessing over diet books, uh, nutrition guides, fat loss articles, low calorie recipes, always trying to find out, quote unquote, the secret. So I have had to address this with, um, I remember one woman in particular in Balance 365, she kept bringing articles back to us and saying like, is this true? Should I try this? And I would say, and what I recognize is that's a behavior of a dieter. When they see a headline on the internet that says, you know, the fat loss secret or six strategies for reducing your body weight, they can't help but click on them. They're just drawn to them because they're always thinking they're going to find out some new piece of information. The secret is just around the corner. There's just that one thing that they're not doing. You know, I finally had to bring it up with her and just be very direct with her. This is the behavior I'm seeing right now. Am I right? And she was like, oh my goodness, yes. And me saying, you need to just focus on Balance 365 and shut all of this out. Um, We also see a high use of zero calorie drinks and or diet foods such as coffee, diet soda, sugar-free jello, sugar-free, fat-free yogurt, etc. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of those foods. Like I, I have probably a diet soda every day or every second day. It's obsessing over those foods. So, you know, one day I was sitting at a restaurant and the two women beside me were talking about how sick they were of sugar-free jello because they were eating so much of it because they were dieting. Yeah, it's when you use it to... Avoid eating, period. Body dysmorphia, we see. Um, So the more weight that is lost, the less thin the dieter thinks they actually are. The drive to become thinner turns into a crusade to become healthier and is sometimes projected on friends, family, spouses, and children. So I'm not sure if we mentioned this earlier, but in the starvation experiment, one of the observations that researchers found was that the thinner the men became, the less thin they thought they were and the fatter they thought people were around them. So it changed, you know, it just it really gave them this body dysmorphia and we see that in dieters all the time. Like it's never enough. And when I was a dieter, it was never enough. I mean, I just couldn't stop. I remember go by, um, going to Old Navy with my aunt and buying a pair of size zero jeans when I was at my most sick and unhealthy. Um, it was my first year of university. And my aunt was like, um, Jen, like, you know, And, you know, for reference, I'm 5'9". Like, I mean, I am not naturally a size zero at all. And my aunt finally said something to me. And she, honestly, I look back and think she is the only person that said anything to me that whole year. Most people just validated that what I was doing was awesome and I looked amazing. So finally, she addressed this with me. And, um, but at that time, I was like, oh, she's crazy. And I still didn't think it was enough. I still had so much criticism about my body. And I look back now, I'm like, what was I gunning for? Like double zero? Yeah. I had children's sizes. Oh my goodness. I had literally the exact same experience. (laughs) I I was a size zero, definitely not naturally a size zero. And I had one friend who was like, wow, you like, you're really thin, like showing some concern, but I brushed her off and was like, what? Like, look, yeah, and you kind like, of take look it, at you this. almost take it like, as a compliment. Even when people come to you with concern, you almost walk away from that, like, oh, like that's, you know, that's, wow, I'm really thin. I like that. And yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. Next point we've observed um, in dieters is that um, people around them who have more body fat than they do or that don't share their obsession with thinness, food, or exercise, become undesirable people who are lazy, lack willpower, are using excuses to not be quote-unquote healthy, and numerous other demeaning thoughts. Um, Because the problem is never the dieter, it's everybody else. And then bringing that back to myself is like, when I was a dieter, I I couldn't understand 
anybody who wouldn't be obsessed with it the way I was like, come on, this is health. This is us getting healthy. And that person's just doesn't want to be healthy. They're lazy. They're a drain on our society. They're, they're using up all the healthcare dollars. And, but really it's just a way to vow, like you're sick. Like I was sick and I was just val. I mean, and that's what mental health issues do. They're tricky. And they're always, you're always trying to validate that what you're doing is right. And everybody else is wrong. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that sometimes in that state we use health as kind of the scapegoat, right? I'm just trying to be healthy. Right, absolutely. Next point, binge eating behaviors develop in all dieters. It is inevitable, whether you're restricting food groups or you're restricting calories. It's the pink polar bear thing that Annie mentioned. So this is sometimes called cheat meals or cheat days, and it's a total loss of control, whether holidays, vacations, eating out. Some people hide food. They get irritable about sharing food. Um, They're eating food in secret, uh, eating food in the middle of the night, eating well past full, eating till they're sick. And yep, I totally used to do this. I remember I used to have um, like nacho nights with my friends and my friends' jaws would be on the floor. Like, how can you eat that much? You're so skinny. And um, I would just devour all, like whatever came out. We'd have a movie night and a food and, you know, drink night. And I would be like, I would be sick after those evenings. But the truth was, it's because I was eating next to nothing the rest of the week. It's funny because in our society, we have this whole, we have this whole even thin ideal. Like, you know, we have this thin ideal, but around that we have, you know, the most desirable women, you know, you know, pictures of women eating a huge burger and she's, she's really thin. And then the comments underneath from men that that is the ultimate sexy woman or whatever. And one thing I remember watching Gilmore Girls this, um, this past year, I watched all the seasons actually. And, uh, that, I mean, that idea was in Gilmore Girls. It was like, oh, the Gilmore yeah. Girls, they're thin and cute. And, and they, they were eat always, everything. Yeah, and they eat everything. Yeah. And I always talked about the, un, you know, they joked about they never go to the gym. Like, that's for losers. And they're eating takeout all the time. And it's like, that's not true. Like, we yeah. all, you know, <laughs> exist. We all have the same, you know, effect of food. And, you know, metabolisms can be different, but I think research has shown that metabolisms kind of exist on a bell curve and 90% of the population is within, you know, has this similar metabolism, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, my nacho nights were like, you know, maybe I was eating 10,000 calories, but I was eating 500 calories a day the rest of the week. Well, um, and so still losing weight. Here's what we see um, a lot in our, uh, when when people are kind of trying to come off those using cheat days as a, a dieting tool is that they try to go right back to restriction. They feel immense guilt after they eat all that food and they say, oh, I just got to get back on the wagon. And they go right back to restriction, which ultimately leads them back to binging. And we would say to fix the cycle at the restriction, not the binging part, which most people are trying to address the binging. And we're saying, well, maybe if you tried less restriction, you might also have less binging. That is is the key. The asterisk here, of course, is we are not eating disorder therapists, eating disorders deserve their own therapy that is out of our scope of practice, but, um, that the restriction leads to the binging, um, is really the key here. So yeah. Okay. What else? My last point here was that, um, dieters often punish themselves for being quote unquote bad. And, um, and that's usually with grueling exercise regimes, more restriction, purging, self-deprecating thoughts about lack of commitment um, talking about how they're failures and even, um, their worth as a person, it becomes attached to, um, how they're eating and if they're able to restrict. Which is odd because we've seen a number of studies come out that have said, uh, self-deprecating thoughts decreases diet and exercise compliance, Right. which is why we, um, always are encouraging women to focus on self-love as a means of their whole health, holistic health, because in our experience, we take great care of things we love. So absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to mention too, is that there are differences in the Minnesota starvation experiment and dieters today. And that's that, um, these men knew there was an end date. And so, um, they knew it would come to an end and 
they had, you know, they were committed to this study. They, um, they didn't know what the outcomes would be, but, you know, they, they felt very purposeful about it because the 36 men that were recruited were actually, um, pacifists from the war. So men that hadn't gone off to fight, but they were still searching for meaning, you know, how to make a difference during the war. So, I mean, these men, I guess when they, when they did their follow-up 60 years after the study, the men were still passionate about what they had done. Like they were like, yes, it was, that was important work. And so, you know, there was a whole, a whole mindset around it that would be different than a dieter today. Also, what would be different is there was control. Like Nowadays, there's food all around, and yes. it's not controlled. Totally, we live compared to the, the 40s. We live in a a very much. It's it's way food is way more abundant today. There's a McDonald's on every corner. So, um, how on earth is a person, a woman or a man, suffering from the psychological effects of food restriction supposed to drive past a McDonald's or turn down cake at a birthday party, um, or even clean cleaning up? you know, preparing a meal or, or cleaning up her children's lunch without picking at the plate or devouring the leftovers. Um, and the simple answer is they can't. It's, it's not possible to sustain a semi-starved state um, and not start binging. With the exception of, you know, someone with a yeah, an true eating, eating disorder. disorder. Yeah, that needs probably inpatient care. But, but the message that we get um, from media, from various fitness personalities is not that the, it, the diet is failing you. It's that you need more willpower. You need more dedication. You need more commitment. And then, yeah, they, and then you'll succeed. Absolutely. They, they say they, they, their message is all about ensuring that dieters look to themselves as the, as the source of failure, right. not yeah. the diet. Because mm-hmm. if diet, if the diet industry was successful and you start the diet, you lose the weight and you never have to diet again, then the diet industry goes out of business. Totally. And, and it's a, what is it? A $64 billion industry. So it thrives on the basis that you fail and you become reliant on diets yeah, and you need to try again and you need yeah. to try harder and it's your fault um, yeah but we now and we now have decades of research that we know that diets are failing us and they're ruining our physical health they're ruining our psychological health um, the human brain cannot cope with food deprivation one thing i wanted to say is that i really would like women to reflect on what um, what they're doing ex- you know what they're doing to themselves in the name of becoming thinner as quickly as possible. And we also have data, I don't have those numbers on me, but we do have data that there is a percentage of dieters that will go on to develop a clinical eating disorder, like anorexia. And anorexia actually has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. So this stuff is really serious. Yeah, and we also, another thing to really think about what dieting does, extreme dieting does. So you lose fat, you lose muscle. When you come off the diet and you have this ex- all these strong cravings um, and you, you're trying to refeed and you can't satisfy your hunger, you put on fat and maybe a little bit of muscle. Because we build muscle, but you know when we're in a caloric surplus, we put on fat. So over time, dieters that just keep going back to diets, all they're doing is um, they're decreasing their muscle mass which we want to keep, and they're increasing their body fat percentage, even if they end up losing a bit of weight. Which ultimately moves them further away from the goal that likely Absolutely. drove yeah. them to dieting in the first place. Right, because most women we know, um, they say they have weight loss as a goal, but we know that they, they actually mean fat loss. Most people want to hold on to as much muscle as they can and, and lose some body fat. But yeah. yeah, what extreme dieting does is it flips that around. You lose fat and muscle, you put you back on fat. The fat. Then you go on another diet. You lose some more muscle and you put back on more fat. So your body fat percentage ends up climbing and your muscle mass percentage ends up decreasing. And all the while, psychologically, you're really suffering. You know, you're yes. probably feeling really crummy about yourself that you can't seem to. I, I, I personally... Uh, my dieting history was that I just could never stick to anything. I like, I, right. I mean, for more than a couple weeks at most, I remember, um, you know, trying everything from shakes to, 
meal replacement foods to just really low calories. And I just, I could never stick with anything. And it was always that, that nagging feeling that I just needed to be more committed and I need to have more willpower and more dedication and more self-discipline. And if I had that, then ultimately I could reach my goal. And thank God I found another alternative effort uh, method. Yeah. I would say the vast majority of women who come to us in Balance 365 um, they're just dreaming of food freedom. Like they still have goals and they want to, they want to, I guess they, they want to know that those goals are okay. And a lot of the women, I mean, we're not anti-weight loss. I know that there's, you know, body positive groups out there that are very anti-weight loss and we are not. We also understand that a lot of women get to the body weights that they are as a result of, you know, years or decades of dieting. Because what, what studies have shown is that dieting, um, might, you know, initially result in a uh, decrease in your body weight almost always ends up in an overall increase. So women are putting on weight year after year. Yeah, I um, think it's dieting. Diet. Dieting is the number one predictor of future weight gain. Yes, absolutely. So a lot of women just can't fathom a life that doesn't revolve around food and their weight. Um, and they can't even remember a time in their lives um, when it wasn't at the forefront of their minds. Um, and it's those women that have their psychology is probably closest to those, um, of the men in the Minnesota starvation experiment. And so what we do is we, we, we help them, um, find food freedom. We help them walk through this process. Um, and then we eventually walk them into eating, um, healthy, balanced meals. Um, we help them eat more intuitively. We help them get in touch with their body cues again. We help, we even, we even help them with fat loss strategies that are healthful. Um, and letting people know when it's healthy to pursue weight loss and it, and it, and it isn't. And somebody asked us that the other day, they said, how do I know if I'm, if weight loss is something I should be pursuing or not? And I said, if, if it doesn't feel good for you, it's not good for you. Like don't go there. And there was a long time in my life where even the thought of weight loss for me was triggering. I would like, you know, I could feel myself just almost getting anxious around it. And I, I couldn't do it, couldn't do it at all. But even this past spring, when I thought, oh, I've, you know, I put on a little weight over winter and, and, um, I thought I wouldn't mind, you know, just coming down a little bit. Um, that was not triggering for me at all. I just slightly adjusted the food habits I knew I needed to adjust and I lost a little bit of weight and it was all good. So that was a really, um, and that's kind of where, you know, we we want women to get to. One of the most interesting things is people in Balance 365 who do lose weight, who do reach their goals, after they do, they always come back and say, yes, I lost weight. Yes, I reached my goals, but that was the least important thing. Like, yes. I got my life back. I got food freedom. I'm not obsessed with my weight or food anymore. And that's like, yeah, I lost the weight, but it's not about that anymore. Yes. And that is like our ultimate goal because that's how I feel, you know, and having complete food freedom and having complete control in your life around food and exercise and being able to objectively um, decide what your goals are um, rather than being rooted in shame or fat phobia, that is just such an amazing place to be. The mental energy that you expend on that stuff is just like insane. And I mean, that's our ultimate goal for women. Right on. I hope that this is, you know, revolutionary information for women. If they want to read more about the Minnesota starvation experiment, just Google it. A lot of people have written about it and um, really look at the correlations uh, between the experiment and what you've got going on in your life. And then really consider what it's going to take to get you from point A to point B, being a restrictive eater to becoming um, like a mindful, conscious eater. And the scariest thing in the world for some of those women is that they might put on weight in that process. But the other thing I was going to mention that Lauren said, the women who had fat loss as a goal in Balance 365 who come to us having reached their goal, it's always the same. They trusted us. 
and they trusted the process. Exactly. This is, um, we, I, I feel like I say this to our members a lot of times, um, but it, we really are concerned with big picture thinking, like long-term sustainable success, because it's, I think especially dieters, I know when I was dieting, um, I was always concerned about like the week, the month, you know, getting- The day, the meal. Yes. Getting, yeah. getting to that reunion, getting to that wedding. I just like my, you know, I always had this like short-term deadline. How quickly can I lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds? If I start now, I can lose X amount of weight by this. If I start next week, I can use, you know, it was just always this fascination with this timeline. And, um, we are way more concerned with progress over the course of a year, two years, three years, four years. And we've had women in our program for years that are still slowly just making continual progress. What we say in our group is, um, Rome wasn't built in a day, but they were laying bricks frequently and, um, that they're, they're taking steps, maybe not necessarily towards decreasing their weight, but that ultimately serve them in their quest for health. Yeah. I think one of the things Jen said that I want to touch on again too, is trusting the process because what we see happen a lot of times is people start this process and then they're like, they panic Mm-hmm. because they start going through the process where they're like, okay, if I can eat whatever I want, I'm just going to eat and eat and eat and never stop. And then they panic. The panic sets in and they start looking at another diet. And it's like, no, that's part of the process. You have to follow that through and you will come out the other side. You will. And that's the thing, especially with our support. I mean, Balance 365 comes with a whole support system. It comes with um, Balance 365 coaches, including us three. Um, and it comes with a whole community of women also going through this process or the women that are through the other side. So you have all that reassurance from the women who are on the other side saying, just keep going, just keep working on it. Just keep, you know, doing, you know, pursuing the growth and, and surrounding yourself with the messages that you need to hear right now. Um, and it's just so, it's so great because we're not a quick fix that we're, that now our company is two and a half years in. So we have some amazing success stories now, but because we're not a quick fix company, it was really hard for us at first because we couldn't, you know, even the first year it's like, well, everyone wants to know where the success stories are. And it's like, well, this is a journey. Like I can't, I can't, um, you know, we're not putting people through a four month program and showing a before and after. Um, and But now we have women who, you know, like I would say, I mean, we call it, um, it's a lifetime course. I mean, when they, when you buy Balance 365, you have access to it for life, but it includes 12 months of the community, um, and the coaching and, and, and you can continue on after that if you so choose, but that is what's included in your initial startup price. And, um, you know, we also have this money back guarantee for 30 days. And so we do have, you know, the odd time we, we have really low rates actually of people request leaving, leaving and requesting refunds, um, as far as online programs go. However, um, I would say most of those women kind of the panic sets in and, um, it's, you know, they're still kind of in that all or nothing mindset and they join us and they're like, I can't do this. This is not fast enough for them. Or they, they're just so terrified of going through diet deprogramming that they, they just can't do it. And I'm always so sad because I think, oh my gosh, if you could just look at the women who have been with us and our Balance 365 lifers, you would see where you could be in 12 months and it's so worth it. It's just not so obvious in the beginning and it's so scary in the beginning because you're so uncomfortable. Yeah, it, you, it can be scary to let go of some of those those r- rituals around food and dieting that people have kind of grown to trust, you know? Right. Um, but we ask for your trust and your faith and we <laughs> you're in good hands. Yes. Yeah. All right, good chat. <laughs> good chat. Good chat. <laughs> All right, thanks ladies. If you like what you heard today, I invite you to check out our free 30-minute workshop where Jennifer, Lauren, and I discuss how to reach your goals without dieting extremes and how to have fun while you get there, which you can find at balance365.co. That's B-A-L-A-N-C-E 365.co, as well as join nearly 30,000 women across the globe in our free Facebook community at Healthy Habits, Happy Moms. And if you really like what you heard today, be sure to give it a review on iTunes so we can keep bringing you amazing content. Thanks, everyone.